Is this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block in the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! Welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just relax, everybody. It's the Outsiders powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. It's podcast 96, and we're into season three, although it's coming to a conclusion pretty fast, but I can't believe here we are moving into the month of March. I'm Brian Griffiths. Robin Brownlee joins us. Robin, how you doing? Outstanding, pal. Fantastic. And joining us from TSN, Ryan Rashog. You're looking great today. Hey, buddy. Thanks. I'm totally pumped to do this. I love your guys' podcast, man. It's like... We can talk some hockey, but we get to relax a little bit too. I don't get stressed out to come on your podcast. I don't see, feel like I got to prep like crazy. You see this little, just, this thing right here, this uh, yeah. this coffee thing. There's a little coffee and a little Bailey's in. Little that. Bailey's in there. That's how we like coffee that, and Bailey's format. You guys, that's <laughs> that's very much the way we work here. Uh, hey, let's yeah. uh, let's talk a little hockey right off the top here. We'll talk about obviously the team that is closer to our location. That's the Edmonton Oilers. Jay Woodcroft has come on board. Decided to give him a few weeks to see how things were settling in. Other than sitting at a table addressing the media, he stands. What else yes. have you noticed about what he's been doing? He stands there with authority. Uh, well, I mean, let's, I'll start kind of more selfishly on the media front because all three of us can appreciate that conversation. Uh, what we have is a coach that's come in and normally brand new coaches to the league are, they're pretty reserved in the media. Like they don't want to get into too much. They keep it really simple. Like they don't really want to step in it. Um, and Jay, like Woodcroft is careful with what he says, but I love the way he handles his media availabilities because he actually answers the questions. And if you really listen to what he says, he's really opening the door and shining a light onto what his thought process actually is. And when you connect that with what you're seeing on the ice, it just makes sense. You know, you, you, you can see the things that he's talking to us about. So, you know, from a media standpoint, um, you know, I appreciate how upfront he's been with us with some of the things that he's been trying to do. And granted it's the new coach shine. They haven't had a seven game losing streak yet. And all of that can change with time, but that's noticeable for me from a work standpoint. And then on the ice, I mean, I think we're all seeing it. Um, you know, he's got this team a lot more focused on tracking back into their own end in organized fashion, understanding what their assignments are so that it's not such chaos, um, you know, from the red line back to their, their crease. And he's put a real focus on organizing his players. And, and, you know, and in order to do that, he's had to empower some other players to take pressure off of the big guns, right? McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, those guys are back checking. And, you know, I, like I said it on the radio the other day, they're skating as hard in the Selkie direction as they are in the Art Ross direction. And when you get buy-in like that from those guys, that just trickles throughout the whole lineup. And it's real. We are seeing it um, pretty much every game. Ryan, you use the term buy-in, and I find that interesting. I mean, uh, I'm not around there like I once was, but he seems to me to be a communicator based on what I see in the the post-game and the pre-game. 
if that's true, it seems to me it's obvious that the message that he's speaking behind closed doors is getting through because this looks like a team that has the buy-in you're talking about. Yeah, I think uh, what I'm always interested to know is how similar is what he presents to us to what he presents to them? Yeah. Do you come out and stand at that lectern and be a completely different human being than you are when, I mean, not a human, but, but, you know, is your messaging different? Is your tone different compared to when you're standing in front of the group? And I'm sure it is. But in terms of the way he handles things, I have a feeling we're getting a pretty genuine look at who Jay Woodcroft really is when he's standing there in front of us without the firmness, right? We're not his players. He's not in charge of us. Um, So I think that he is very process oriented. I think, you know, over the years listening to come on, you know, staff show and, and on 1260 talking about Bakersfield, he uses the word process multiple times in every interview. And I think that's real for him. And I think that's real for his players. I think he's implemented that for real with this group. And so the big picture is not something that they can get stressed out by. And I think as a coach, when you come in and you say, you simplify for players and you you take the big picture out of it and you say, look, here's what I need today. We got a flight to Carolina today. Rest up, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, eat well today hydrate. We got an important practice coming tomorrow. So be the best you can today. And then the next day when he's saying to you, here's what I need from you today. He is literally day by day, by day, by day, focusing on the process with these players, taking the stress of the big picture off the table. I know you're really bringing it when you use the term lectern instead of podium. Yeah. Good for I you. Popped into my house. I'm very, very proud of you for that one. That one. Uh, the, I thought the, our, the Selkie direction and the Art Ross direction. That was, was very good, good too. too. I, yeah, my I was, eyebrow yeah, went up was, on that one. Yeah, uh, the, other thing, that down. the other thing too, yeah. you mentioned the word process. The other one that's driving me a little crazy, I hope he pulls back on it, is he keeps referring to guys as human beings, which we are, but he uses that one a ton. But yeah, I, oh, but man, I, it's not going anywhere, buddy. <laughs> I know, it's, it's I know. How he's built. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm with you. The one thing that I watch more than anything else, I, I really, in a first game with a new coach, I don't really care about, I really don't give a shit about the lines or anything like that. I would like to watch the bench. That's what I watch. Yeah. And his communication with the players, in particular with 97, was yeah. intense. And it was really good yeah. conversation, and we just weren't seeing that with Dave toward the end, but he really brought it. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, Jay Woodcroft ran the forwards for years uh, with this team, so him standing behind Connor McDavid and having something to say to him would be nothing new in their world, and I think that's where he comes in and immediately benefits from that relationship that he's built, understanding what these players, you know, what their threshold is for information as they return from their, their shift because different players have different thresholds for what you can and can't say, what you can and can't get through to them. And he's got the book on the most important guys. So imagine a head coach coming in already with that book. And, you know, at the same time, he's going to be a different presence than he was as an assistant coach. So these players are probably noticing some subtle differences in the way like, Oh, Like he's a lot more firm than he was back then, or he's, you know, or he's saying more or saying less, there's an understanding. And so that learning curve, a new coach would have when he comes in, Jay Woodcroft hasn't had to deal with. And I think we're seeing that right, Robin, like he's got these relationships built. And when you, as a coach immediately have relationships with the most used players on your team and an understanding that can only help a guy in what is a stressful situation that he's stepping into. 
Exactly. And what I like, and, and you can you can forget it if you don't look back at the record. I mean, Woodcroft strikes me as a guy who's not out of his depth as as a head coach with this team. Yes, yeah. he's new to this situation, but he's been an NHL coach before on an NHL bench, and he's also been a head coach. He's paid his dues. There's no deer in the headlights here where, wow, this is completely different from when I coached in the dub or pick a yeah. league that's not really the same. He looks ready for this. Well, the, the critical decision that he made, like his career came to a crossroads, right? Like when Todd McClellan's let go and there's fundamental change happening. Yep. Um, you know, he, he, he wrote on charters for a long time, the comforts of the national hockey league. That is a comfortable place to be. Uh, you know, good food, great hotels, charter flights. You guys both know, um, cause you've traveled with the team and been a big part of it to make the decision to go, all right, I'm gonna, I know that what is missing is proving to the world. I can run my own bench. I can be the decision maker and, and, when he describes this, the biggest difference, it's, you know, before you would give your opinion, now you're the one that gathers everybody's opinions and it's on you to make those decisions. And so he decided that's clearly what he needed. And I think we all knew that that's what he needed. And he went down there and, and he's done a good job. I can't profess to have watched a lot of Bakersfield Condors games over the last few years, but guys, you look at the players he's sending up, you look at the way they're developing these young defensemen, you look at the results with the organization's most valuable assets is their people, their players. The most valuable thing the organization has, they handled with care, did a really good job, have fed the system. So he's proven he can run his own bench and he's proven he can set his own tone and build his relationships as a head coach. I don't think Jay Woodcroft, and I say this with all due respect to him, if there were five head coaching vacancies this summer, I don't know how many shortlists he would be on. Right. You know, I don't know if that's where his trajectory had led him yet. You know, hadn't had a championship. You know, he's not that top of the list guy. And I say that with all due respect because it, it looks like he was ready. So for him to do what he did, to come up here without a contract, right? At least not beyond this year, to step out of that head coaching role, step into this opportunity, understanding Edmonton might be the only place that was going to give him this look right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I respect it because he could have sat there and said, ah, you know, uh, I've got a good thing going here and without a contract moving forward, because if he doesn't get hired as the Oilers next head coach, what are his options? Returning the American hockey league to be the Bakersfield Condors coach again, right? Mm -hmm. That would be the option. Or would he be like, look, if you're not hiring me now, the writing's on the wall. So this was him taking a bit of a chance, I would say. Ryan, talk about uh, Jay bringing Dave Manson with him. Um, I haven't talked to Dave Manson in forever in a day, but I was covering the team when he was a player here. Um, what does he bring to the table that helps Woodcroft with this particular staff and with yeah. this particular group? Well, you know, and I don't know Dave Manson that well, but I've talked to a lot of people about him. And I think uh, I think it was Elliot Friedman reported um, that you know he was getting looks. Um, did Friedman say that Tockett was giving him a look if he got a head coaching job? People had been taking note of what Dave Matheson had been doing with this Oiler blue line uh, and these young prospects. Tons of respect in the game, right? We all know the way he played. He right. was as tough as they came and uh, hard nose. 
but anybody who was a teammate with him, you know, would have told you that he was honest and decent and and a good dude to have around. Um, So his place in the game is very, very firm, but he's proven himself to be a guy that can take young defensemen and extract uh, more from them than you might expect. And he's done it a few times now. I mean, you know, just look at Marcus Niemelainen. Like you telling me Dave Manson hasn't had a massive impact on that guy's development. Mm. Uh, so I think, I think that Manson running the orders D, you know, I think that that was fait accompli. That was going to be happening. I think they recognized what they had in him and it was time. Whoever the head coach would have been next year, had they not done this or if Tippett had not come back, I think Dave Manson was on a bullet train to be in the orders D coach next year, even if this change hadn't happened. And I think that makes sense. The organization's developed somebody and, uh, and they've got them up in the big club. Now you, you were commenting on something that was said by Jay Woodcroft that kind of caught your attention. And uh, not only are you a great guest, but you now bring your own audio <laughs> with you. So what, what yeah. caught your attention here? Well, I, I just like the fact that, again, it's one of those situations where he gets asked a question and, and he's careful, but he gives you a real answer. So he was asked what change he's made that, you know, that he thinks that he's happiest with, that he's been able to get this group to do. And this goes right back to what we're seeing on the ice, which is the buy-in at both ends of the ice from the entire lineup. So he was asked that, and uh, and here's what he had to say. So we wanted to hit on the lead domino, and for us, that was our work back to our own zone. It was, um, it was being organized on our track. Uh, it was being comfortable if the other team gained our line of what our positions have been, and that's where the majority of our focus has been over this last little while. So details on when you're coming back in your own zone, be organized, know where you're supposed to be, have some structure. But first of all, get on your horse and get there because it matters, and we're seeing that from his players and uh, that was priority one for him and and he answered that very honestly okay so losing Tampa win in Florida and losing Carolina I thought they were competitive in all three games they, they could have won any or or could have lost any of those games but they were close yeah they were they were in all those games um, like I don't know you guys tell me if you bring that quality of play most nights yes as long as you're not playing one of the three or four best teams in the league, right? <laughs> which they just have, yes. you're going to win a lot of games playing that quality of hockey. Also, so, the consistency yeah. level of the goaltending. If they get good goaltending yeah. or better, they're going to win most of their games. And the yeah, goaltending is a bit its a bit of an enigma in a lot of ways because we've seen the worst, I think, and we've seen some great. We certainly saw Miko uh, was playing out of his skin against the Panthers, but... It's got to make things really difficult for Kenny yeah. Holland because you're going, well, which one is the real Miko Koskinen? Because the fans want to always dwell on the negative guy, sort of the media. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, they got they have a real dilemma coming up here over the next couple of weeks. If two games coming up this week, they're into Philadelphia and they're into Chicago, and you're right, play that kind of way, they're going to win both games. They just can't have they can't have a goaltender shit the bed in either of these two games. Yeah, I mean, uh, it Sorry, goes poop the cot. Poop the cot. Uh, it goes without saying. Like we saw it for the first part of the year, or, or after the first part of the year when their when their play dipped and they went into that that skid. Like the goaltending is the underpinning for a lot. But uh, I don't know. I mean, like if I, Robin, if I'd asked you a mu- six weeks ago, what's the order's identity? You know, what would you have said? And if I ask you today, 
what do you think the order's identity is? I feel like you might not have had much of an answer before. And it feels like there's one kind of growing here. Like it's their identity seems to be kind of sprouting a little bit. Like I'd have probably said uh, a deadly power play and hope that they get good goaltending. That's their identity. Yeah. Now I think it's almost a good thing. Their power play went in the tank for a little while, isn't it? Because now it was, well, what else you got? So what's their identity sprouting now? You know? Well, I see more of the balance and depth that we lamented that they didn't have. Um, It seems to me everybody's included and feels included. And that goes right from the way ice time has been allocated since he took over behind the bench. Uh, It's okay to say one for all and all for one. If you're sitting on the end of the bench playing five minutes a night, that rings pretty hollow, even though you want to win and you want the team to do well. I think he sold the, we're as good as the last guy on this bench or our 20th guy. Uh, I think there's been some buy-in on that. The other thing is if they could, we, we would know more if we could get some consistent goaltending, which we've been talking about lately, it's been better, but this is still a club. I, Bryn and I were talking Koskinen is 901. Uh, that, that's above the bare, bare bones minimum of 900, but not by much. And Mike Smith is 893. That's not good enough. If this team could get 910 goaltending, we might be talking about how much noise they could make in the playoffs. Well, and I think, guys, you can't be a team that lives and dies only by your goaltending. Right. Right. Like everybody needs a good goalie. We all know it. Sometimes you have one, sometimes you don't. So what are the rest of you going to do if you, as your goaltending comes and goes? And I think the orders are developing themselves into a team that is not going to live and die by their goaltending as much as, and their power play as much as they were before. There's a quality developing in their five on five game that when the season gets deeper and in the playoffs, when things tighten up, they're going to be able to rely on that. And I've talked about that for years now, relying, like having a base level of game that you can rely on. And you say, this is our identity. When it's five of us against five of you and two goalies, this is who we are. This is what we put out there more nights than not. What's the answer to that? The orders have had no answer for that for a long time. There has been no base level five on five, mano a mano identity for them to lean on it's come out and see how hard the other team's going to push you tonight. And let's, is it going to, you know, like let them dictate what this is going to look like. There's no having confidence in your game and throwing it out there night after night, after night, no matter what happens, bad break early, whatever, lean on your game. And I see them developing that game. I think we might be saying the same thing in different ways to me, Ryan, if you get what you're talking about, you don't need to have the 925 guy. You don't need the the uh, unicorn. You need a 910 goaltender. And if you can't find a 910 goalie in the National Hockey League, you're not looking hard enough. Yeah. 910 gets it done when all the other aspects of the game are there, no? Yeah. I mean, it might hold you back from getting three rounds deep. You know, it might, there, there will come a point in time. I mean, the goaltending is too important for it not to eventually catch up with your effect. Yeah. And the difference between the, the, the teams that have the great guys, I'm not saying that it doesn't, you know, it's not going to catch up with them, but to get where they want to go, which is potentially home ice advantage in the playoffs and then having a chip in a chair to play the better teams and see 
you're right, Robin. Like you don't need to live and die by your goaltending if you've got more quality in your play. And I, I think that they've been developing that, but interesting, like, I don't know how much you guys notice it, but man, like, like, so look at Derek Ryan right now. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Do you guys remember the day after Dave Tippett got fired? Do you remember Derek Ryan's media availability? Do you guys listen to that? Like I, my jaw dropped in the chair. He just seemed like he was way more buoyant. Is 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 well? So he to me he anyway. Came out, he immediately started like in this. So they so Tip was gone. They played the game under Woody. They won the game, and then he did a media availability. It was either post game or after the game. I think it was. A, I can't remember. If it was the next day. Anyways. He sat, and this is Derek Ryan. I mean, he, he was in and out of the lineup, and we had talked to him maybe three times this year. Mm-hmm. So he sits there and talks about opportunity. He was clearly frustrated with the opportunity that he wasn't getting under Tippett, yeah. and he made no bones about that. He talked about, yeah, it's been hard. Hard to play five minutes a night and try and make a difference, and hard to – he was very blunt about a lack of opportunity. Then one of the reporters, I think it might have been Rob Tichkowski, asked him about the power play and said, did you notice that – your second power play unit started a power play tonight. Cause we certainly noticed that. And Derek Ryan goes, yeah. And this is the first team I've ever been on where that's not a normal thing. It's hard for those guys to go out there and, you know, play for two minutes straight and then go back out for a minute right after, you know, it's hard. Like he was very honest about some of this stuff. Yep. Well, guess what? Derek Ryan's backed it up. It's one thing oh, yeah. to go out there and to say those things, and, uh, you know, the coach didn't give me a chance, you know, and it can kind of, you got to be careful with that. But he was very honest. And look what he's done with the opportunity that, that Jay Woodcroft has given him. That's where the five-minute reference came from. Yeah. I was Because when a guy comes out and says, it's, you know, it's okay to say we're all in this together, but are we really when some guys are only, you know, when you don't feel a part of it? Now, he's not going at this rate. This is a heater for anybody, let alone for Derek Ryan. But when he's engaged and he can do what he does, this is a player who at his age has been around long enough to know how to play in this league. If he gets a chance, he's skilled enough to make good on it. And he's also can play a 200-foot game. Who doesn't need a player like that in their bottom nine forwards? Yeah, 100%. And he's thriving, right? And if you listen to the way Jay Woodcroft talks about him, if you listen to the way he talks about his opportunity, you know what? I can actually show you. I've got some more. So you got more? This is, this is Derek Ryan. And Tony Brar did the post-game interview. Right. And he, and he said to Derek Ryan, you know, you've talked about the opportunity and getting a little bit more opportunity. You know, what the, what's that meant to you? And, and uh, I hope this plays the right clip. This is Derek Ryan's response. Yeah, confidence is moving for sure. Um, when you say a little bit more opportunity, I think it's a lot more opportunity. That's definitely translated into some – confidence uh, in myself and uh, the line I've been playing on whatnot. It's been, um, yeah, it's been good. It's just the first part was tough when you're not playing much or sitting there for a long time. It's hard to get your momentum, uh, rhythm of the game. And I feel like I've been able to uh, get more rhythm in my game under Woody. He's getting me out there in key situations. And um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. He's still saying it. Yeah. He's still saying it every time he's asked. You can tell this player is like a, it was like a dying plant that had been fertilized and watered under yeah. this head coach or just watered. Don't to be overly dramatic about it, but like what this guy has flourished. It's been unbelievable what he's done. Got to ask you, cause I thought about it while I was watching the conclusion of the game in Carolina that, well, you know, they get the right bounce. They might put this thing into overtime lately in overtime. We've watched the separation of Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid 
after it was almost money when they would put those two guys together. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering, we haven't seen it yet with Jay back at the bench, whether or not he'll go back to loading up all the arsenal and going for gold in the in the first yeah. you know 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, that, that'll be kind of a fun thing for me to watch. I think it's smart to not start them together, and here's why. The way three-on-three three works, if you don't get possession – then you just got, you're just skating around burning a shift, yep. right? Yep. Those guys feel so much pressure to score that if they don't get possession right away, they'll skate around for 30 or 40 seconds, burning energy, waiting to get the puck. Right. When you get the puck 50 seconds into a shift, that's time to be smart with it and get the hell off. But that's not what they would do because it's them. It's their best chance to win the game and they both know it. So they'd hang in. Now you're going the other way. Offense, offense, offense. Well, what does offense do sometimes at three on three? Turns the puck over. Yeah, gives it up. Now you're 50, you're you're a minute 15 into a shift, and now you're playing defense and might not get it back. Then if you get the puck again, what do those guys want to do? Yeah. I mean, we saw a two minute and 40 second shift or whatever it was, or was it three? Whatever that shift was from Darnell Nurse in overtime, that that needs to be addressed. Like that can never happen again. Should not. Yeah. But these players feel so much pressure to get this done. So what it does, when you separate those guys in overtime, this is what happens. If you lose possession right off the draw and the other team has it, you got a superstar skating circles. Wait and wait and wait and wait and right? 50 seconds into that shift, it's not swapping McDavid for Dreisaitl. First guy off the ice changes early, on steps Dreisaitl. Now you get some overlap between these two. Maybe now by then you've gotten the puck back. Right. So if you don't change them for one another, dry sidle steps on when the first guy goes off. Now you've got your crossover. McDavid changes. You've still got a superstar on the ice and another really good player comes on. So it, I think it's a much better fit for the way three on three often goes. I thought a lot about this this year. You tell me whether or not you think the league would take a look at it. And that is the long change in overtime. You know, I know that we change ends at the end of every period, yeah, but I'm I thinking think, for the three on three, you're not, you're, it's a, it's a changeover. And so the teams, there is a long change on the three and three overtime. I'd like to see them get rid of that. Really? I, see, yeah. Because uh, I, I think, I think it. it would pick up the pace even. It. Yeah, maybe it, it would, it would make it easier for tired defensemen to change. That's what this is about, right? right. The guys who need to think a little bit about defense to get all the way across the red line <laughs> and to that yes. side, leaving everything behind you wide open. Whereas if it weren't the, the long change, you'd have a fresh body out there all the time. I don't know, Brent. I kind of like the long change. I think, <laughs> it, I think it adds, I don't know. Well, that adds uh, to the Robbie, drama. What do you think? You'd be the tiebreaker, buddy. What do you think? Uh, I'm fine. You know what? I'm fine the way it is. I'm, yeah. I'm What a fence you know, hitter. I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no, that's not on the fence. He's, ta- he's taking yeah. my side. Yeah. Okay. No, I, sure. Fine. Lose, Brent. <laughs> that's a, the, hey, hey Robin, I know that, I know that Ryan's been bringing the good audio today. Here's mine for you. You better say your prayers, you flea-bitten varmint. There we go. That's my quality contribution audio wise to this. But anyway, Robin, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're 11. <laughs> okay. Brent, I'm going to see you that. Yes. And Robin, I'm going to support you with this. And I'm going to raise you this, Brent. Okay. Well done, Robin. Well oh. done. There's something schooly around here. All right, fine. Oh, hey, uh, let's uh, let's change the topic somewhat here. Uh, uh, thinking a lot about this oh, over the last God. couple of days, I wrote down Hurricanes, Lightning, Panthers, Avalanche, Flames, Rangers, Vegas, 
maybe the Wild. Those would be the teams that I would have in my upper echelon. Who am I missing? Ah, uh, well, I don't know. You had yeah, you had the Panthers, right? Yeah. Uh, did you have Colorado? Oh yeah. Right now, I like them coming out of the West the way they're yeah, playing. You got to have him and them in there. Man, yeah. Are they ever good? And the, the, the okay, let's talk about the Calgary Flames then, because I was really expecting more out of that Wild Flames game on Saturday night, and Calgary just dominated that game. And what can you say about Sutter and the job he's done there? The superstars are playing like superstars. And the other guys, the the guys who are the honest guys are given honest efforts. They're looking great. Like, they're not looking yeah. good. They're looking really great right now in goaltending. Hey. Well, so when, when Sutter goes there and you're thinking, okay, what are you pretty sure you're going to get? out of this coaching chain. Like there's a lot of things you're not sure if you're going to get, what can you feel like you guarantee with, with Daryl Sutter showing up on the scene, right? Yeah. Yep. There's going to be a certain player that's their game's going to be in order. They're going to play the right way. They're going to buckle down and the flames have enough of those players that it, I mean, it really affects, you know, we affected enough of those guys games that it, it filters through their line. Those guys are on the ice a lot. The guys that play that way. Then the next question is, how are the stars going to do? Like, how are the superstars going to do with Daryl Sutter? Um, man, when it was low for Calgary, when it was bad, it just felt like they're, watching them play, it's like they're never going to win with these guys. That I was know. kind of the narrative, right? Yep. They're never going to win with these guys. Well, look at them play now. So he's been able to extract that from his star players as well. Star players that were much maligned and in some ways being run out of their market. Uh, he's totally flipped the script in the narrative there, which is impressive to me, Robin. I wonder, and maybe he'll come up the highway and throw me around for suggesting it, but uh, <laughs> uh, has he saw, has he, has he, has he changed his approach a little bit because on camera and in game is a lot different than off camera and out of game. If you've ever, you've had a chance to sit down with him. I know I have one day in San Jose that I've referenced more than once on this podcast where he had his son in the coaching office with him. Yeah. We just shot the breeze for an hour. Yeah. I think that he communicates better than a lot of people might think he does. He wants it played his way. Let's not mis mistake that. But I think he's better with talking to today's players than we give him credit for. And I also think the team he's got now is more suitable to hearing the message and doing something about it than the group he inherited from Jeff Ward. There's not been a ton of changes, but there's been subtle changes to that group. What do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Daryl Sutter's players all know where they stand with him. Yep. I think that matters. I don't think all coaches are like that. I, you know, believe it or not, you know, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that operate in a way where their players day to day are like, like, I think he's mad at me or I, or clearly he's mad at me based on my ice time. Or um, I think communication is everything, <clears throat> excuse me, to have success with today's athlete and, and even with the older guys now. Uh, and I think his players know where they stand. And even if it's not always in a great spot, I think but softened, I would say probably, I think he would have had to Robin to stay as successful as he is right now. I, I don't think um, that those old tricks and things that maybe were in his tool on his tool belt, you know, 17 years ago would still be part of it. So I would have to assume that the man has changed, you know, same person, fundamentally same yeah. values, same core, but maybe just understanding that, you know, 
you can't necessarily handle things the same way. His handling of the media has to change. <laughs> I think he's actually I'll better. I think from, from, from everything. And when I was in Calgary, I heard horror yeah. stories, man. I'm telling you. But I think that yeah. now he at least has got a bit of a grin and a little bit of a laugh. Well, well he's playing pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's easy to do it now. You're right. Yeah, I remember. I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was last year. I, I whatever it was during this COVID mess, and so he comes walking in to do the Zoom call. But we're also in the room, and he's got his skates on. And these are the skates that he like played in. These old school <laughs> skates that he still got. Yeah. And so it was Jim Matheson and I were sitting there chatting with him, and he's like, "Yeah, he's chatting about his skates and this and that. We're having a laugh. You know, he's sitting at the table. We're ready to get going. And you know, Peter Hanlon's waiting to get this thing going, and he's talking. He's being so personable and laughing and having a chuckle, and you know, ask Maddie how his, how his wife was and all this stuff. Then the Zoom call starts. Oh yeah. And the first question I asked him, I think he gave me three words. <laughs> like it was just come was just, on. Like, the camera went on, and he was just like, you know, he uh, just kind of gets a look on his face, and you know, I think I don't think I asked a very good question. I probably bogeyed in some way. Like the thing you can never do with Daryl Sutter is you can never present a premise and then ask your question. No, he, wants, he will ignore your question yeah, and he will oh, yeah. attack your premise. Yeah, That's absolutely. Age old, age old battle between the reporter and the coach. You know, I really felt like your team uh, looked like the energy picked up in the third. Why uh, do you think that was? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he'll be like, oh, I thought the energy was there in the second. Uh, <laughs> like that's you know that's the classic <laughs> trap <laughs> yeah what or or you get the response what do you want me to say yeah that's yeah. A, that's I'm another sorry. one okay uh, moving on yeah, yeah. it's uh yeah <laughs> it's like but but when the camera's not on i mean he'll treat you like gold so it's uh it's it's classic cat yes. and mouse between the reporter and the coach hey this is a an abrupt topic change world juniors yeah. we in Edmonton uh, and Red Deer, we are 0 for 2. Uh, and I, I firmly blame COVID for both of them. Sure. So now the question is, is there going to be a third one coming up in August? I'm looking for your thoughts on that. And also your thoughts on Wayne Gretzky's remarks on uh, TNT, his harsh words towards the uh, situation that's going on in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine. And Wayne is suggesting that the International Ice Hockey Federation, who's expected to make some kind of a render, some kind of verdict either today or tomorrow on Russia's participation. Let's get your thoughts first. Is the event coming back in August from what yeah, you hear? My understanding is, is, I mean, I'm keeping parts of my schedule open because we're going to have a big event to do. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everything goes smoothly and, and we're able to get her done. I think, uh, you know, it'll be a little different. I think the Christmas feel is a big part of that event. And obviously we're, we're making do. Um, but listen, I think that they're trying to get a bunch of events back on the schedule that were canceled before, right across the board, I think. And, uh, for every one that can get redone, that was canceled before, I think, you know, why not give it a go? So my understanding is, yeah. And, uh, I'm keeping some, uh, I'm blocking off a couple of weeks in August where I'm not going to be able to golf as much as I might like, but that's okay. There'll be some good hockey. And Gretz's comments. Yeah. So, I mean, um, it's uh, I don't think it's that difficult a decision. You know, the, the world needs to be pretty united in how we feel about what's going on. And, you know, it's unfair to the athletes. It sucks for the athletes. I feel really, really poorly for the athletes who are going to suffer as a result of this. And, you know, whether it's this event or other big events, um, that's who you feel for most, but um, 
they need to feel pressure, right? Putin needs to feel that pressure. You need to apply pressure in every way you can. And uh, that's just part of how you have to do it. You know, that that nation is not going to be welcome and treated with open arms while it's doing what it's doing. And, you know, not to get too political about it, but, you know, short of pushing big red buttons that you don't want to push, there has to be mechanisms to apply pressure in a situation like this. And we're seeing them like we see sanctions and Putin himself being sanctioned and all this stuff being done by the international community. Well, how can the world's governments be condemning this person? Um, and yet international athletic federations just be welcoming, welcoming like nothing's changed. You know, there needs to be a price to be paid on a number of different levels. And so that's my opinion. People might disagree. Um, and I feel terrible for the athletes who are not going to be able to be part of something that, you know, is a big thing in their world. So I don't know. That's my take on it. Well, Ryan, I'm with you. I feel, uh, I feel bad for the athletes, uh, but not to over, uh, get dramatic here. I feel a lot worse for the women and children who are being killed, uh, by this Russian attack on Ukraine. I think everybody needs to make that stand. And one of the things that we can do so that we aren't pushing those buttons you talk about are the economic things, are the no-fly zones, are the we think you're in the wrong here, you need to reconsider what you're doing. This is one of the ways that we can uh, hopefully get this done without turning the world into a fireball. That's yeah. my hope. I mean, I think we all probably have a pretty good sense that none of this is really going to move the dial much with that guy, but there's still right and wrong. And you still need to be pushing the ball in the direction of right. No matter how big that ball happens to be. um, I still think that it's, you got to send the signals and um, you know, the, people of Russia, you know, you look on TV and you see all the protests and stuff that are happening and that can't be comfortable to go protest in that country. You know, you get out there and I mean, they just pull, they just haul you off and you're just, you know, you're gone. And and who knows what that looks like for you after that yet. They're still coming out by the tens of thousands. Uh, I think anyway, from the pictures that I've seen. So, um, well, you, you know, know, the message needs to be sent on all fronts. Yeah. This ain't cool. Here's the two years ago. So I was in the, in the Czech Republic for the world juniors and during the gold medal game, I don't know how it worked out this way, but my my seats in the crowd were right in the middle of the parents from Russia. So it was Canada, Russia in the gold medal yeah. game. So I'm sitting with people where language was a real barrier for, for us, talking to some of the parents. But we spoke a language that was common, and that was hockey. Yeah. And, of course, you mentioned Edmonton, so Wayne Gretzky's name comes up prominently. And uh, Connor McDavid's name was coming up. And uh, so there was there was this common thread, but yeah. to have Wayne step up, and Wayne's not the kind of guy who goes out and says stuff that he knows is going to be overly uh, analyzed or controversial, but for yeah. him to step up and say it, I know it's going to catch some attention in some places. Yeah, well, and and good for him, right? Like he's listen, he's on TV now, and he's paid to give his opinion. Yeah, and I know it's more about hockey, you know, is in his job description, but. You know, I think for somebody who has a platform that he has and he's passionate about something to just step out there and say it, uh, I certainly respect that because it's not a comfortable thing to do anymore. Um, so yeah, good on him for doing it. I've, I've actually, in my time with TSN guys, I've been to Russia four times. 
I've been, uh, I've been to deep Siberia, I've been to St. Petersburg, been to Moscow multiple times. Um, and you know, I've always really enjoyed my trips over there, really enjoyed the people. Um, so yeah, it's a really tough thing that the people of that country are having to endure because my sense is a lot of them, you know, are not on board with everything that's happening and you feel for those people. Um, but the international community does have a role to play here. And when you are the IIHF and when you are these, you know, we're seeing other sport governing bodies that are international. Um, there's a signal that needs to be sent and everybody needs to be on board sending that signal. And that's what we're seeing. And I think it's the right thing. And I feel again, terrible for the athletes that are affected by this. Well, the international, uh, the International Olympic Committee, uh, their executive board is recommending no participation of Russian or Belarusian athletes or officials from this point forward. That's kind of sizable because you have these big organizations and the biggest of the two are FIFA and the IOC. Yeah. But if the IOC is going to go this route, uh, uh, I, I was watching, uh, man, we're kind of going down a political road here, but I was watching CNN on the weekend. One of the things that they do well is they get uh, generals on, retired generals who have a real good knack of being able to describe what we may or may not see or what we've seen. And one guy said, you can't paint them into a corner here. There has to be a way to get out of it and realize that they have done wrong. That was in the view of the, of the general. Uh, but when you see groups like the IOC stepping forward, FIFA was a little softer on them over the weekend, but uh, that's pretty harsh. The IOC usually doesn't go down that road, guys. Yeah. Wow. But again, like, I think, I think the world's, the world needs to lean into this. Yeah. You know, I think that's yep. what we're seeing. So I'm, I'm good with it. Uh, I've been watching a little CNN too. And, and uh, I have to say, I've read her book. Uh, when situations like this happen, I tend to, to watch the journalism and uh, I pay close attention to the stories that are being told and the journalism being done. And, you know, it's, this is a big beef for me, the, the way that the media is under attack nowadays, yeah. it, it absolutely drives me crazy. Um, and we don't even need to get into that if we don't want to, but what I'm seeing on display right now is some unbelievable journalism. I mean, these people flew directly to these cities and are sitting in these cities reporting on, you know, this is not, this is dangerous stuff. So yeah. You know, whether it's Clarissa Ward, who uh, she's just a fantastic international correspondent that now works for CNN. I've read her book, just a fabulous journalist. Mm -hmm. um, but we're seeing some of the world's great journalists doing some of the finest work covering this absolute horrendous story right now. And I've been paying attention to a lot of that. BBC World Service is another good watch as well, yeah. because they, they really find a unique way of telling a story. And uh, yeah, well, it's uh, obviously our thoughts are going out to everybody it's a, it's a bit of a mess over there. Hey, uh, before we go here, it's yeah. uh, it's been very noticeable to me. Do you need a little more Baileys in that coffee before we disappear? <laughs> Just one double check. Yeah, I, I've been overdoing it on the water, and now uh, i got to go to the bathroom really bad. Well, we won't like, keep you too much longer, no, but I, okay. I, I, gotta, I, mean, I have to ask you. hold it. <laughs> you've dropped in two audio clips today. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you've got a new board there, and your microphone, you got a new microphone. I mean, what is up with you? What's oh, yeah. going on here? I don't know, man. Just uh, love technology. I just wanted to, uh, I do enough podcasts with people and I, I plan to at least do this once or twice a year with you guys. And I thought you deserve nothing but the best. So I, I up my gear uh, for the purposes of this show. So I just, I, I have that much respect for you guys. I don't know. I mean, listen, 
I'm about the only reporter in town that doesn't have a podcast. And so we'll get with you it. Know, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. I've been mucking around here with this stuff. I love gadgets. I love technical stuff. Made sense to grab some of this stuff because you just never know. So I don't know. Fingers we'll crossed. You're on your way because you've got the we'll equipment. See. That's uh, I'm very <laughs> excited by that for you. So <laughs> he oh, he's got his own applause. I forgot about that. I is learned there, how to use that button. Is there any other, just hit <laughs> any button on that thing. Just tell me, what have you got on there? Just tell everybody. Uh, it's got, got a thing called hot buttons. Oh, there you go. I got a bell. I got a bell. Okay. Right. Hang on. Uh, what else do I got? Oh, you know what I got that uh, I what, think. What have you got Let me there? see here. I think this might be Jay Woodcroft talking about Derek Ryan. Nope. That wasn't it. Hang on. Well, see, so you're learning. Hold that clip. You're learning. No problem mm -hmm. whatsoever. Hang on a second. Right. Oh, I'm proud of him. Uh, he's been a heck of a hockey player here over the last couple of weeks. And uh, he's really um, shown some pop in his step and, and with his increased role and responsibility and to see a, a teammate like that get rewarded with three, three goals. Um, the whole dressing room is just ecstatic for him. Love it. Like, that's great stuff. Like how genuine is that, right? Very, very that's nice. Very genuine. I have a so comment that's... from the captain of the hockey club. Hang on a second here. Let me reach over where we got. Spec, can I talk to you? What you got? Hang on here. Spec, can I talk to you? Spec, can I talk to you? All right, there we go. Are we going to get into that one? I don't think, well, you we know, can. I think we Spec, we, we, we had can. Spec on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I think he, yeah, yeah. I will say one thing though, and this is the kind of the nice thing. We get, we're getting a lot of response on the podcast, but that one in particular, really, we had a big surge on that one when Spec was on, yeah. uh, because we talked about theory and that kind of stuff. But I think we've probably done enough of that. So, yeah. Well, all all I'll say about that is, and Robin, you like you've been in that room every day and understand the tensions that can exist. All I'll say about that is, I actually viewed Connor McDavid doing that as a really positive sign. I did because too. We're getting back to the days where reporters and athletes can kind of hash out their business. Yep. And for McDavid to do that is a sign that, okay, uh, you know, he was obviously upset. I'm going to assume felt like he needed to get something off his chest, got yep. it off his chest. I'm sure spec had his bit to say too. And now that's dealt with and you kind of move on. And uh, I'm not, I don't know what went on. Spec did a good job of keeping those details between him and the, and the athlete. But listen, I, I think that's positive. I've had that happen recently too. And I won't go into it. I've recently had a conversation too with a player. There were, there was some tension and some friction there. It's time for us to start having the opportunity to deal with these things. And as COVID restrictions are relaxing a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, the discourse between the media and the team, I think will improve because we can, people don't understand how much of this stuff actually gets worked out behind the scenes. No, well, we've all had episodes like this. Robin, you, we talked about this two weeks ago. I've had at least well, six or seven with hockey or football guys. The only thing that went wrong with that is that he was a, he was sort of like one steamboat too early. Otherwise, nobody on would camera. Have, yeah, yeah. Nobody would have. You know, hey, it's 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 great that reporters and the athletes they cover. If we can get back to to where they they'll they can say, "I'll kick your ass." Um, that's. I mean, being honest and and. Yeah, I'm exaggerating, but you know, I, I you've had you have it over the years. Whether it's a GM, a scout, an agent, uh, usually a player who doesn't like what you've had to say or how you've written something, and you'll just get the motion, you yeah. know, in the dressing room. Come on over, let's talk this out. Doesn't mean you agree. Uh, well, let's chat. But at least you, you, you talk. Yeah, like I don't know. 
I don't know if people think like how they think these conversations go. Oh, they, like they the think player, it's like, they the think it's this. Gonna... They think it's like this. They think it's because yeah. somebody's going to get hit on the noggin. Somebody's <laughs> going to get bopped in the nose. That's what they well, think. Exactly. They think that's the way it's going to be, where it's like the players like rah 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 rah, rah and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, do you still let me come in the room? Like, this is not the way it goes. Nope. It's like any disagreement you would have between two people. You know, you got a point. I got a point. Okay, we both got to be in here, fist bumping off you go. Like, it's not. Like there's some big talking to it's just no. two people working through yeah. stuff and that has to happen. These guys are under lots of pressure and we ask them lots of tough questions under pressure and there's going to be tension. And sometimes when it boils over a little bit, or if we step out of line, we all have a day where we step out of line, that stuff needs to be handled. And, uh, and the PR staff of the orders, I think is really, really doing a good job to try and facilitate more of that as the restrictions are easing up. I don't, I, I can't recall a situation where uh, it's the way you describe it, Ryan. Um, sometimes a guy, it, it's something simple like, uh, geez, what I read this morning, I wasn't expecting. I didn't think that was the way our conversation went. You, you know, the, you, you kind of spun it different than I thought. And you can say, yeah. well, hey, um, you know, sorry you feel that way, but I loved the way it came out and I wrote it the way I thought I needed to write it. And you don't always agree. It's not a matter yeah. of, I'm not, t- yeah, I mean, occasionally a guy will get pissed off and, and you might have a hard time getting them in a one-on-one for a little bit, but everybody's grown up there. You have your say, you move on to the next day yeah. because there's too many days to carry stuff around over any period of time. Well, I agree. And, and again, I, I'm not going to get specific, but I can tell you in the conversation that I had recently with a player, he made a point to me and I went, yeah, you know what? That's actually really fair. Like I never thought of it that way. That's yep. my bad. So that that's part of your conversation too. Right. And sometimes, you know, sometimes maybe they got a little too riled up. So it's, it's just human discourse. Like this is not rocket science. It's no. just basic human discourse, but you know, we haven't been able to have that basic discourse because of the situation. And we're getting back to it now because guys, I mean, let's be honest, the blowups that we've seen, like the thing with dry sidle and, yeah. and Maddie, you know, the, like there, there've been some things this year where, there's a lot of tension and a lot of friction and a lot of it has to do with the team not being where it wants to be. But too many times this year, we've been talking about Edmonton media and the players and that should never be the story. But how many times have we talked about it this year? It's been lots of times. So just post the W post the W and a lot of that stuff goes away. Have you had an episode though with general managers? I've had two. One guy told me to call off the dogs. That was the quote. That's all I'm going to say. Call off the dogs. Call off the dogs was the quote. And that's fine. Yeah. I, I, hey, listen, I totally respect the fact that you're, you're getting called into the GM's office and told to call off the dogs. That's fine. Yeah. No, I've had, uh, I mean, you know, uh, this was a while ago. Word got to me that the general manager was extremely upset with me for <laughs> something that had, I had done or said or something like that. And uh, I don't know, my way of handling those things is I just kind of go head on. It's like a phone call. Hey, yeah, let's get listen, it out of the way. Heard there might be some issues. You know, where are we at? Let me know. I'm open to the idea that maybe I bogeyed here. Where are we at? Right. Um, never been in a loud screaming F you, F you, you know, I mean, uh, you know, there's one we know about that happened with me and a head coach years and years ago that off air turned into a lot of expletives. Um, but uh, haven't really had that with a manager at this point. So. 
trying thanks, to avoid those uh, ones. Thanks for your time. Thanks for keeping it clean. And thanks for bringing yeah. your own audio. It sounds great. <laughs> if there's a podcast in the uh, in the works, tell us about it because uh, I'm in. I'd, I'd love yeah. to listen to it. And thanks for coming on. Thanks for having the coffee. Thanks for having the Baileys. Yeah, it was awesome, guys. I really enjoyed doing this with you guys. We don't get to uh, I don't get to see you guys enough anymore, so it's good to get caught up. And I guess the world has to just sit and listen to us do it, but uh, well worth it. It's great to great to talk to both you guys. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Whew, can you believe it? It's March already. This year is going crazy. At least that's my impression. January and February, where did they go? Anyway, looking at the Metro Edmonton real estate market. Had a chance to uh, track down Brent McIntosh from the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. I said, what's going on? He said January and February were fantastic, and it really gets him excited about the upcoming year because things are starting to pick up. Now is a great time to start gearing up if you're thinking about looking for a new place or maybe even putting your place on the market. People are already looking. Interest is high to buy, and inventory is low at this time of year, so now is the time to move. That's totally the norm, by the way. The McIntosh Group at REMAX River City can help you with the sale of your current place or maybe the purchase of your next place. And you can find them real easy too. 780-464-0075 or online at macintoshgroup.ca. Start the process with a complimentary evaluation of your current home. No obligation whatsoever. They'd be happy to help. And there's no deadline for this offer. But if you're really thinking about it, don't let the market pass you by. Jump on board right now and give them a shout. Both buyers and sellers are welcome to contact the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. Once again, that number directly, 780-464-0075 or find them at macintoshgroup.ca. And one last thing, tell them the outsider sent you. Wow. Hey, I noticed the Edmonton Elks with a media availability coming up this week, Robin. Kind of curious to know what that's going to be about. What do you figure? Well, the speculation, I'll put it that way, is we're maybe we're going to see uh, uh, a new logo. Maybe we're going to see uh, something to the uniform, bring back the uh, EE. I wonder, would that replace the antlers on the uh, helmet? I, I said when they came out, I kind of liked the look, although I'm not sure the way they carried it out was as good as it could have been. But uh, so what, are we going back to EE and are we going to have a, a uniform tweak? And the other thing is, uniform. I mean, this wouldn't be new. If you're going to have a logo tweak and a uniform tweak, could we have a Dwayne Mandrusiak tweak as well? I think that ah, would fit as That's interesting. Hey, uh, just back to the helmets and then we can get into the Dwayne thing for a second or two here. The helmet issue, I heard that they were struggling with maintaining the antlers on the helmets. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, but it's, it, it stands to reason. I mean, it basically That's how it is works. A, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a big piece of sticky adhesive. It's like, it's like a car wrap, right? Yeah. And, and uh, you're going to get helmet on antler so to speak. And uh, you also were covering up some of the holes in the helmet. And what I noticed, this is goofy and maybe it's just me. If you looked at 10 guys standing side by side, which you sometimes got to look at on an overhead shot on the sideline, the antlers seem to be on at different angles, depending on whose antlers you were looking at. Well, so, if you've seen elk and I've gone up to Jasper and Banff plenty elk, <laughs> the antlers are not the same on every elk. 
right? And the other thing too, antlers do fall off certain elk in the fall. So I, the whole thing didn't surprise me whatsoever, but okay. And back to the Dwayne thing. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun. I have no trouble. The EE logo, people still have it on their cars. It's all over the place. Right. So to, uh, to see the old EE logo come back would, I have no problem with that. I think that would be a, I think that would be a great thing. And, and I think it would be appropriate to have like a Dwayne Mandrusiak or somebody actually at that press conference to uh, usher in the re-EEing of the EE. Well, Bryn, and then correct me if you disagree. I've gone, um, now as a media member, uh, you know, you're not, a, you're not a fan, so to speak, but I've gone in recent years where I'm not working at a mainstream outlet covering the team from looking at the team and wondering, is there anything else they could possibly do wrong to well. to feeling now and it's there's a there's more work to do you need to get the people back and you're not going to do that with some uh fancy talk uh, and by saying the right things for a few months but in the long term um my sense with the hires they've made both football ops and uh front office is they've really taken some big steps and it feels it feels more positive to me than it has for a long, long time. And the important thing is that that feeling gets out to the public because at the bottom line, as they say, that's what matters. You need people in that stadium. You need people wanting to buy your merchandise. And right now they've gone from screwing it up to getting it back on track uh, 180 degrees. At least that's my sense. What about you? Well, on our last podcast, we had assistant general manager G Roy Simon on, Yep. And he made some comments, in particular, his uh, his departure from the British Columbia Lions uh, mm -hmm. made a lot. We got a lot of ink off of that and a lot of play time off of that that comment about how he recognized that the BC Lions did not seem. You asked the question. Yep. So let's make that perfectly clear. I did not ask that question. Uh, you did. And he gave you a real honest answer. And it, it got a lot of airtime. And, uh, you know. One of the things that's been fun about this podcast is we're getting picked up by more and more of these, uh, you know, various other podcasts, various other websites and blogs. We love it. It's great. And uh, the feedback's been fantastic. But I think that there's just been a general positive feeling about the Elks. I don't see how it could have been any worse than no. what we went through. December was about as dark as it ever got around here when it comes yeah. to the football franchise. But they've made so many positive decisions so many positive hires over the last couple of months that things are looking really, really, uh, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's very, very upbeat, and I'm excited for the season to start again because uh, you just feel like they're – and I even like a lot of the signings that Chris Jones and his his troop have done, and it just makes you get a little more jacked up about the season. So uh, I know we've been talking a lot about the Elks, but you know what? At this time, maybe last summer – where everybody was kind of tuning out. Uh, if we, you know, even when we talked any CFL last summer, our Edmonton numbers dropped off dramatically. People just didn't give a shit anymore. They didn't yeah. care. So I, I, but now I'm starting to sense there's a renewed enthusiasm. So, so good on them. We'll see what the big announcement is. By the way, Dave Jamison, longtime broadcaster in the Edmonton market. But before then, he was a longtime public relations guy with the Edmonton Eskimos. Yep. We're trying to get him on the podcast here in the next week or so. Looking forward to that. Also, Jamie Campbell, who is the host on Sportsnet of the, the Blue Jay broadcasts, 
trying to get a hold of Jamie to get him on a podcast too, because Major League Baseball is a mess right now. They should be just mm-hmm. getting ready to get into spring training. They are nowhere even close to it because of a labor dispute. So uh, we'll see if we can track down Jamie. And if Dwayne Mandrusiak suddenly falls into our lap next week as a guest because he's got a new role with the Edmonton Elks, uh, we would welcome that a lot. It'd be a lot of fun. So uh, I guess we better dash. We're running a little long here. Don't forget to check us out. Our Twitter handle is real simple. It's at Outsiders2020. Drop us a note, your feedback. We love it. Also, tell your friends to subscribe or follow us to our RSS feed on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Deezer. There's a lot of them out there. However you're getting us, uh, you know, just make sure you just click on the RSS feed. And that way, when we drop a new episode, you get it. And we're also on YouTube. And the goal here in the next few months is to not only hear us on YouTube, but to see us on YouTube as well. No name yet for your Southwest Edmonton studio yet, Robin? (laughs) Come on. I've been asking now for months. Well, it might have to be, uh, you never know. It might be, it might, it could become Lucky Sam Studios. We'll see. We'll see. Sam Studio. No, Hmm. Lucky Sam. Lucky Sam. Is there a story there or just save it? Don't waste it here. Save it. Lucky Sam Studio. Oh, that's not bad. And I record at the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton. It's always kind of fun to be here. Your support greatly appreciated. And like I said, uh, it's uh, we get bigger and better because you do one thing. You notice that we're doing this. You also keep retweeting your buds. That is essential for us to get our message out there. Just chatted with Ryan Rashog a couple of seconds ago off air. And uh, Ryan says, oh, I'll make sure I retweet the fact that your podcast is out. Well, that's what we need everybody to do because then the message gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, once again, a big thank you to the bloggers, those various websites for also uh, spreading our message. We appreciate that. Robin, that's it today. Anything else? No, I'm good, pal. Great. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Okay, see you. Storm in the castle. Road 55.